this message is for somebody that's in trouble. Don't know who that, who that is particularly, but that's kind of what the Lord kind of lent me to. He said, this is a message for somebody who's in trouble. And so if you're in trouble, this message is for you. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? I want to read verse number 13 one more time because from this I'll be primarily taking my thought. Verse 13 says, And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Today I want to preach a message simply entitled, Change Your Behavior change your behavior. I would like to enlist the aid of the Holy Spirit. I'm just a man. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. <laughs> and anything good comes out of this, I know it's God. It's not me. And I want to be sure that his presence is able to operate in our midst. He's able to, to bless and to heal. And as I said before, I'm, I'm preaching to those of you that you're in trouble. You're dealing with some sort of trouble that you don't know how to get yourself out of. And the Lord wants to encourage you and to help lead you out of that trouble into freedom. Let us pray today. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your presence that's here. And God, it is your presence that's able to set the captive free and break the shackles and the chains of Satan that bind us. And I pray, oh God, let there be a manifestation of your spirit. Even as the Apostle Paul said that I come not with enticing words or man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of God, that our faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let your power be made known in this place. Let Milwaukee know that there is a God in the earth that is able to save and able to heal and able to redeem and able to restore and revive. Have your way today in the name of Jesus. Speak through me only as you can. Anoint my lips with your words. Fill me with your inspiration that people might be blessed and come to know who you are. We thank you and praise you and bless you. And in Jesus' name, let the church living God say amen. You may be seated. As I said before, I want to talk to those of you that are in trouble and that the title of my message is Changing Your Behavior. Behavior is a funny thing in that it can be modified when, it, when someone encounters something unexpectedly that they, they're not looking for. For example, and all of you, have, I'm sure, have done this. I know I've done this. But you're driving down the road. You're not paying attention to your speed. And suddenly you see a cop. And suddenly you try to change your behavior because you're speeding. And as soon as you do that, you hit those brakes. The cop actually sees that you're speeding. You've just told him. You told on yourself that you're speeding, and now you're getting pulled over or you're trying to evade the police. I don't know who you are. But uh, we, it's interesting, though, that when an unexpected occurrence can change our behavior, or perhaps when we were kids, a parent uh, walking in unexpectedly on us when we were doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. Mama told the t- us to turn the TV off, and we just kept watching. And we thought we were okay, and then she comes in the room, and she catches us. And suddenly we try to turn it off and make sure she doesn't see what we were watching or what we were playing or what we were doing. 
Or perhaps that your boss calls, calls an unexpected meeting and saying that we're going to remove our deadline for a project up and suddenly you have to change your behavior and you're frantic and you're, you're panicking and you're trying to do all you can to try and get yourself out of this new unexpected crisis that has befallen you, that has come your way. It's a very funny thing how trouble is able to change our behaviors. Things that we thought we'd never do, we suddenly, suddenly become possible and become available to us as we are in a crisis and looking for solutions and looking for answers. It's so interesting that people do the strangest things when they are faced with trouble. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says that he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. One of the things that I've noticed is that whenever we're in trouble, we're trying to find a solution fast. We don't want some long-term, you know, some long plan, some... 30-step process. We want it done now. We're in the microwave generation. I want it in for 30 seconds, and I want a solution now because I'm in trouble. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I'm suffering. I'm in pain. God, I want you to get me out of this situation. And very similarly, in our, in our text today, the, the, the uh, King David, although he's not king just yet, is in a very similar predicament. The trouble that he is facing is unparalleled for someone his age. At the age of 17, he was anointed to be the next king of the nation. He's then thrust onto the national stage when he confronts Goliath and defeats him. He then rises to the ranks of, of the army, becomes a national hero. However, his fame and even his accolades, they don't bring him blessing, but instead they incur wrath and trouble from a very jealous king who's the one who allowed him to go and fight the giant Goliath. And now uh, Saul, King Saul is jealous of David, is doing everything he can to destroy him, and on several accounts tries to murder him, even as David is ministering before him in his own court. He then, David realizes, I can no longer stay in the house of Saul, even though I'm married to his own daughter, and I've been promoted in his army, and I'm a national figure and beloved by all in Israel, I cannot remain within the, the borders of Israel, I need to get out of here. So he says goodbye to Jonathan, his best friend, and he goes on the lamb and he starts to run. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1, David comes to Nob, the high place, where the tabernacle is, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and he enlists the aid of the high priest Ahimelech. He, now, when he does this, now I just said earlier, whenever you're in trouble and you're desperate, you'll do crazy stuff. You do things that you'd never think you would do. Because here he is, he's coming to the high priest, and he's looking for help. And he just flat out lies, flat out tells a bold-faced lie right to the high priest. Look at this, 1 Samuel 21, verse 1. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone oh, and no man with thee? He knew, like, something's up here. Why are you here so late at night and there's no other messengers of Saul that's with you? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to, you know, such and such a place. You know, I've, I've got people waiting, and there's things that are happening, and I'm here on a private mission, and all this other stuff. He just tell, he's, he's talking to the high priest. He's not just talking to anybody. He's talking to the head high priest who stands before Jehovah himself, before the Ark of the Covenant. Who, who is the mediator to intercede on the behalf of all the sins of the nation. He's talking to the high priest and telling a bold-faced lie. He is breaking one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness, not to anybody, but the high priest of all people. Why? Because he's in trouble. And he doesn't want the man of God to know what kind of trouble he's in. Isn't that funny when people are in trouble? You know, the first thing they do is they'll come to church and they want a cookie-cutter solution. And they don't want to tell you everything that's going on. They don't want to tell you everything that's happening in my life, Pastor. Just, could you just give me a few bucks because, you know, I got the rent due next month, and uh, I'll see you next, next Christmas. 
right? We just, we just want a quick solution. He's coming to, to uh, the high priest. He's like, look, you know, I'm here on the, on the king's business. I'm doing something for God, you know. I'm, I'm doing something for God. Lying right to the high priest's face. So I've got people set up in such and such a place, you know, it's, it's secret. No, the king doesn't, didn't want you to know. It's a secret thing. It's a secret mission, right? I'm on a secret mission. There's a secret thing I'm dealing with that I, I, I've got an unexpected prayer request. I just need you to help me out with. Just give me like, you know, loan me about $500 or so, you know. You know, could you just come, come to the hospital with me? Just spend uh, some time with me to help me out with this, uh, this disease I don't want anybody to know about, you know. Um, I've got this situation going on in my home, and I just need you to, just to help fix this. Could you, could, could you just, you know... Now, what's interesting here is David's not asking for any counsel, not any advice to help solve this issue. He's not going to the man of God and say, hey, could you, as the high priest who have the, the Urim and the Thummim, could you go and talk to Jehovah and give me a word so I can go solve this issue? No, he's like, no, I need some help. I just need you to give me some stuff. Look what he says here in verse 3. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand, David says? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. Could you just, could you know, just give me a handout, just give me the resources, and I'll try and solve my own problem by myself, Pastor. I don't really need any counsel, you know, keep that preaching thing to yourself, that word of God stuff. Just give me something quick so I can just get this over with. He is lying to his face. Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or what there is present. Again, he's not looking for a counsel or a solution. He just wants the resources to help him do what he wants to do, which is to run to run away from his trouble, to get as far away from his trouble as he can do possible. Verse number 8, 2 Samuel 21, verse 8, And David said unto him, Elect, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought, brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. I was in a hurry. The king said to do this now, and so I just had to run. I couldn't take anything with me. So could you supply me? See how crafty David is? <laughs> And people do this to, to, to the church all the time. They come with the, the most interesting, intricate believable stories to get you to feel sympathy to help them out with their stuff. But they don't really want to change. They just want a handout. Just loan me a few bucks. Give me something quick that, that will help me get through this current crisis but doesn't really solve the overall problem that I'm dealing with. Right? I'm in trouble. And so, look at this. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, verse 9, and the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in cloth, behold the ephod, or behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is another, no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. Give me that sword. Give me something. I want, I want a meal, and I want a way to defend myself, and I'm out of here. I'm trying to get out of this situation. David did not inquire the Lord. He didn't pray or seek God as far as we can see in the text. All he did was just get me some stuff to get me out of Dodge. I want to get out of this situation as quickly as as humanly possible. Now, what's interesting here is where David goes. Verse number 10 in our, our main text, which we started off with in this, this message. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, if you know the story of David, David was uh, with uh, the children of Israel and they were bitter enemies of the Philistines. Uh, Achish is the king of the Philistines. So, David now, not only did he kill Goliath, but Saul sent David on a party, basically on a, a war expedition, to kill hundreds of people so that he could have the bride price to marry his daughter, Michal. So he's killed hundreds of this guy's uh, citizens, but he thought it was a good idea to go straight over to his place to hide from Saul. That just kind of gives you an idea how scared of Saul he was. Now, this sounds crazy. 
But he's going over there, and he's thinking, I can just kind of lay down, lay down low here. People won't recognize me or see that I'm here, right? It says here in verse 10, And David arose and fled that day for the fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul have slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he thought, hey, I can just slip under here. This nation, I've been terrorizing the last couple of years. I killed their champion in front of everybody. Nobody's going to recognize me. Not only that, but I'm carrying the very weapon that this champion was carrying. So that means I'm walking with this giant sword into the capital to the king's, where the king lives, where everybody can see me, and I think I can lay down low so Saul won't find me. See what stuff we do when we don't try to seek out the counsel of the man, the people of God. We do, we do just crazy stuff. So he's walking in there like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hide your nose and find me. And as soon as he is, hey, I've seen you somewhere before. Didn't you kill my uncle? Weren't you that dude that killed Goliath? That looks just like his sword. Wait a minute. You know, what's going on here? So he's just like, oh, snap. You know, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. I had this really crazy good idea. I thought this was a great plan. And I've walked right into the heart of trouble. What? What was I thinking? Now you can see David is terrified. He's been found out. He's been had. He's been discovered. And he's being brought to the king himself. To the king of his most bitter enemy that he's been terrorizing the last few years. He murdered their champion on a national stage in front of all their army. This was a brilliant idea. I just wanted to get some bread and a sword. And I was going to hide out over here for a little bit. How many times have we done this with God? We come with our own plans. Just give me, God, just bless me with a few little resources. I got this. I can handle this. No, you're in trouble up to your nose. You are drowning. You need help. You need counsel. So, David laid up these words in his heart. He heard them singing. Now, here's the thing. The song that, was being, that they're saying was a song that was sung in Israel. So he thought, I'm not that famous. No one's going to recognize me. And they're singing. This, like, this isn't the, the song that all, but he's basically singing the national anthem of Israel. These guys are singing what, what they were singing about him. And there's like, he's getting scared. It's like, oh, man, they know who I am. I'm about to die. I'm about to get killed over here. And David, verse 12, and David laid up these words in his heart and was so afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now we come to our main text, verse 13. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. He scrabbled on the doors of the gate. And he let his spittle fall down upon his beard. He realized that the, the actions I'm taking here are going to get me killed. So I need to adjust my plan a little bit here before I get myself stabbed to death or executed by the king. And the Bible says that he changed his behavior. Now what's interesting here in this text is the Hebrew word for behavior here is the word ta'am. And it can be translated taste. David changed his taste. Now, to give a good understanding of what I mean by this, turn with me to Exodus chapter 16, verse number 31. The children of Israel were complaining to God that they did not have enough to eat. And so they said, so Moses said, fine, you want something to eat? And God, the Bible says, he rained manna or bread from the heaven. Look at this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. And the house of Israel called the name of thereof manna. Manna literally means, what is it? 
When they saw this bread, they didn't know what it was. They've never seen anything like that. Bread coming from the sky, what is this? So they called it manna, which means what is it? And it was like coriander seed, white. And the ta'am, the taste of it, was like wafers made with honey. The same word that's used to describe David changing his behavior, his ta'am, also describes the taste of the bread that came down from heaven. Now, if you remember that when David was at Ahimelech at Nabu, the high priest, What was one of the things that he grabbed from the high priest? He got five loaves of bread. Now, the bread was not common bread. The bread came from the very high priest himself. It was the unleavened, the consecrated, holy bread that came from God. So David got an idea. I need to change my taste and make myself less palatable to the enemy who wants to consume me. And so he changed his behavior. He became like the bread that was in the wilderness. Now, the thing is, uh, what is tasty to God is despicable to the enemy. What is considered sacred and holy and righteous before God is something that is an abomination to the enemy. So he changed his behavior and made himself not a good target under the enemy. He changed his taste. He changed the way that he appeared attractive to the enemy. He no longer was appealing to the enemy. I want to tell you something here today that when you get in trouble, the very first thing you ought to do is change the way you taste to the world. Make yourself unattractive to the world. Warn you when all all men speak good of you and pat you on the back and say everything's all right. What got you in this mess was the sinful, secular things that you were doing in the first place. So change your taste. Change your appetite. Start, stop digesting the foolishness and the philosophies of this world that got you the foolish advice that got you into this mess in the first place. Now what's interesting here in Psalm 34, verse 8, David wrote, O ta'am, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, if you have your Bibles, go to the very first verse in Psalm 34. Go to Psalm 34, verse 1. Now, before the actual verse starts, there's something written there in an inscription that I want you to pay close attention to. Psalm 34, verse 1. Now, this, is, this isn't on the screen. This is only, if you only have a Bible, you'll see this. But there's an inscription that says this. A Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Ahimelech. Now, Ahimelech was a title that was given to the Philistine kings. It was equivalent to like saying Pharaoh of Egypt. So even though it says Ahimelech, it was Achish. It was just a title that was given to King Achish. So this entire psalm that you're going to read here it was, is basically David's commentary on his mental state when he was before King Achish and getting ready to get his butt killed. So what he says there first in verse 8, he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because why? He changed his taste. He changed his appetite. I was feeding on my own ideologies, my own intelligence, my own thoughts and own plans and agenda and itinerary. And I had to change my taste and start looking towards God to get my full self out of this trouble that I put myself in. Number two. Ta'am can also be translated advice. That David changed his advice. He stopped listening to himself and started listening to God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy 
paths. The Bible also said that this word Ta'am, it can also mean understanding. He changed his understanding of the situation and realizing I must make myself as unattractive and crazy before these guys, otherwise I'm going to die. This word can also mean discretion. He changed his discretion, which means that he did not want to reveal his true intentions and his true identity. You need to understand yourself that we are at war with an enemy, and in a warfare, you have to have good intelligence, and you need to sometimes conceal and hide your plans from the enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy you. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That you need to use some discretion and hide under the blood of Jesus when you go to fight with the enemy, you need to hide yourself under his unchanging hand. Ta'am can also mean decree as well. Whenever you're in trouble, you need to change your declaration, change your affirmation. Stop saying uh, that I'm a failure. Stop saying uh, I'm not going to make it. Stop saying I'm doomed. There's no way out of this. Uh, change your decree. Uh, change what you are saying. Uh, stop mimicking and repeating what the haters and the debaters uh, and all the naysayers are saying. Uh, and start saying, thus saith the Lord, uh, that I'm coming out of this situation. Uh, I'm coming out of the trouble that I've got myself in. This word, Ta'am, talking about the manna, Numbers chapter 11, verse 7. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of bedellum. And the people went about and gathered it and, round, and ground it in mills, or beat it in a mortar, and baked it in pans, and make cakes of it. And the ta'am, the taste of it, was of the ta'am, the taste of fresh oil. That is how we should taste to the enemy, like fresh oil. The enemy does not want oil. The enemy does not want the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want to deal with that. What he wants is a low-down sinner who's believing in himself that he can easily devour and easily destroy. But when you change your behavior, and you change your taste, and you start ingesting the Word of God, and start drinking from the Spirit of God, the enemy does not want to devour. That becomes unattractive to him, and he can't handle that so he changed his behavior before them first samuel chapter 21 verse 13 and he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad he feigned himself mad he acted like he was crazy now, what's interesting here, the word for feigned himself mad is halal. It means praise. It means glory, boast, mad. Now, go back to Psalm 34 and verse 1. Again, this is David's commentary on what's going on. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I, he started to do something that looked crazy to everyone else, but made perfect sense to God. Whenever you're in trouble, it may look a little bit crazy that you've lost everything, but you lift up your voice and lift up your hands and dance like you've lost your mind in church because he's been so good to you. And you say, like David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He began to do something that looked crazy. They thought, this guy's mad. 
It looks crazy to praise God when you've lost everything. It looks crazy to praise God to come to church when people betrayed you and backstabbed you, when you've lost your job or you just buried a loved one in the ground. It looks crazy to do that thing. But I tell you, it's the craziest stuff that will get you out of trouble. When you finally get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll come out of the trouble that you're in. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now look at this in verse 2. My soul shall make her halal, her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He was right before the enemy, and technically he was boasting about God by acting so crazy and outwitting an enemy. I'm right at the enemy's doorstep, right before the king who could kill me in an instant. But I'm outsmarting him by boasting and trusting in God. Stop relying on your own ideology. Stop relying on your own mentalities. Uh, boast in God. I can't do anything. Uh, I'm just a lump of flesh and clay, uh, but I serve a God uh, who can do the impossible, who can see the Im- invisible. Matthew 19 26 says uh, that with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Romans 8 31 says, what shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? Uh, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall not with him also freely give us all things? He feigned himself mad. He went crazy. And so as you read Psalm 34, you're seeing how, like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually going to get out of this. I'm actually going to escape the enemy's hand. I'm going to get out of the clutches of the enemy. Psalm 34, verse number 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto me, unto him, and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about that fear him and delivereth them. Notice through this psalm how David is boasting about the fact that God brought him out of an impossible situation. He feigned himself mad. Now, how did he feign himself mad? The Bible says that he began to scrabble. He began to scrabble on the doors of the gate. Now, what's interesting is the gate of the city was a place of business. It was the place of transactions. It's where anyone, any visitors were coming in and out of the city. It was also the place where kings would, would issue judgment and hear court cases. Now, what David is doing is going basically to the courthouse, and he is literally scrabbling. The, the Hebrew word there, it literally means to make a mark. He was making marks all over the gates of the enemy's place. And when they saw it, they were like, I don't want to deal with this dude. I'm, he's, he's messing up my business. Look, he's, he's leaving marks all over my, my gate. When you are really in trouble and you're really trusting God and you begin to praise God, you'll leave a mark on where the enemy thought he had you. You'll start writing Jesus as Lord right on the gates of hell itself. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Let's get this dude out of here. This dude's crazy. And he began to drool all over himself. Everything, just everything that was in his mouth began to come out. Everything that was good about God began to come out. And he began to set a mark on the very gates of the enemy, right where he is. Whenever you're in trouble, you need to let the enemy know this is, you made the, you're trying the wrong one. You're messing with the, you're messing with the wrong one. You, you got me in trouble and you thought you'd come to get me. But I'm here to leave a mark where I was, where God found me and delivered me out of your hand. He goes on to say in verse 15, Psalm 34, verse 15. Verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, uh, and his ears are open under their cry. As he's going to act like a crazy person. Ah! 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 
You're looking at someone who's desperate. You're looking at someone that's at their wit's end. If I don't get through this, I'm going to die. What if we had somebody who would lift up their voice and praise God? Because if I don't get through this, I'm going to die. Yes, I'm crying. Yes, I got snot running down my face. Yes, I've come out of my clothes. Because if I don't get out of it, I'm going to die. I've got to trust God and change my behavior. got to change my behavior. I got to get out of this mess. And when Achish saw this, he's like, what are you guys doing with this guy? Who is this guy? Look what he says in, in verse number 14 of 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21 verse 14. Then said Achish unto his servants, lo, you see the man is mad? I don't want to deal with a crazy Holy Ghost fire baptized person. This person's crazy. I ain't. No, 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 no. I don't, no, no. I don't, I don't want to mess with that. This person's cray-cray. I don't want to mess with this person. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Wherefore, then have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And the Bible says in, in the next chapter that David has left. <laughs> he was right in the enemy's camp, right before the king himself. But because he changed his behavior, he got out of trouble. He got out of trouble. This same psalm, look at Psalm 34, verse 17. This is David's commentary upon this situation. Psalm 34, verse 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. This was a humiliating thing. He had to act crazy in front of the king himself, had to drool, had to scribble on the wall, had to run around like a crazy person. But he said, look, God is, is open to crazy people. <laughs> oh, you crazy? You're just the person I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who's crazy. I need some crazy folks who will take the gospel to the hood. I, I need some crazy folks. There'll be missionaries to China and Indonesia. I, I need some crazy folks who ain't afraid to praise God in the street. Come on, Sister John, you know what I'm talking about. I, I need some crazy folks who have crazy faith, who believe crazy things, who aren't afraid or intimidated to look a little stupid because God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. I'm just a crazy loco preacher that God pulled out of the fire. And that's why I'm up here talking like this because I know my fool self should have died a thousand times. But here I am because by the grace of God. I want to contrast some things here. I want to end this message about done. Because here David is in this trouble. And he is doing everything he can to get out of it. But there's another character in the Bible I want to point your attention to who seems to be doing the very opposite. And this person, ironically, is called the son of David. That his name is Jesus. I want to do some comparison between David in this situation and Jesus Christ in also a very interesting predicament. That, as you know, David, before he left, he said goodbye to his friend Jonathan. Jonathan means grace. You know, it's interesting, the son of David had an apostle named Jonathan, named John. And that apostle called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Interesting. The comparisons go on. David was being persecuted wrongfully by a demon-possessed king, which was Saul. Jesus, the son of David, was being persecuted by the devil himself. 
David went to the high priest to get bread and a sword, but Jesus, as the bread of life, stood as a high priest before another high priest to give bread to the world. Not sure y'all caught that. Jesus was the bread of life. David went to go get bread. Jesus said, I am the bread. David went to the high priest. Jesus like, I am the high priest. Now, what's interesting here, David changed his behavior to avoid pain and death, but Jesus changed his behavior so that he could suffer and die. Because throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus was bold in preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, inter- in, he engaged and, 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 and basically dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees when asked questions and dealt with their arguments. But when it came the time when he got himself in the worst possible trouble, he's been accused of blasphemy and he has been arrested by, by the Pharisees and he stands before the high priest. Instead of answering and giving res- responses and giving questions, uh, answers to questions, the Bible says that he kept himself silent. And what's very interesting here is that as David was brought before a king of an enemy, Achish, Jesus was brought before a king, an enemy. Look at this, Luke 23, verse 6. Luke 23, verse 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged into Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of, of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to see to have seen some miracle done by him. This is Jesus. Jesus walking on water, you know, turning water to wine, dealing with the lame, the lame and the, the blind. He's doing miracles all the time. And now he comes before the king because I want to find out who this guy is. That sounds kind of familiar like with David, with Achish. I want to find out this guy is actually David. And Jesus changed his behavior. Instead of doing what he naturally does, which is heal the sick and cast out devils, look what it says in verse 9. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. David changed his behavior so that he could avoid death. Jesus changed his behavior so that he could encounter death, so that we would not have to die. Thank God that he changed his behavior, that he was like a lamb before his shearers who was dumb and he opened not his mouth. He changed his behavior. He allowed himself to die. He allowed himself. He went into trouble to get me out of trouble. He went into prison to get me out of prison, and he paid the debt, and he paid my bills. He changed his behavior, and when he changed his behavior, and he filled me with his spirit, he changed my behavior and I don't do the things I used to do anymore let's stand let's stand you're in trouble it's time to change your behavior the bills are due it's it's time to change your behavior you only got four months to live with stage four cancer it's it's really time to change your behavior how long are we going to continue to invent ideas and agendas to try and get ourselves out of the trouble that we have so worked so hard to get ourselves in? We have dug our own graves. We have plowed the field and planted the seeds of trouble, of doubt, of disbelief, of trauma and hurt. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. It's time to reap what we have sown. I'm so glad that Jesus specializes in weed killer. Thank God that he's not allowed me to reap all that I've sown. Thank God that he did not try to avoid death. Thank God he changed his behavior. And even as they reviled him and pelted him and mocked him, that he allowed them to do so. The King of kings and the Lord of glory, the judge of all creation, allowed himself to be blasphemed, allowed himself to be slandered, allowed himself to be maligned. He changed his behavior. So because he changed his behavior and he took the bullet for you, 
offer you the opportunity to change your behavior. If you were here during Sunday school, I talked about drinking from the wall, the wells of living water, but being filled with the Spirit. And the way that you do that is you have to believe on Christ as the Scripture has said. And the way that we truly believe on Him is that we have to have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of behavior. We have to completely give ourselves over to Christ, allowing Him to make those changes. Because you cannot, and this is the interesting thing, which almost sounds contradictory, but you can't change yourself. <laughs> That's why humanity is in the state that it's in. Look at Jeremiah who said, can the Ethiopian change his skin and the leopard change his spots? No, we can't. We can't change our sinful nature. We need a God to change us. I need God to change my nature and then I'm going to change my behavior. I offer you the opportunity to have the greatest change in your life. You know what's interesting is, and I'm sure all of you have been accosted by people who do this, you're going into the supermarket or you're walking down the street and someone, a homeless man or somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can you spare some change? And he's like, no, no, man, I'm good. You know, I, I use this quarter to go to Aldi. I got to use the shopping cart, you know. Come on now. I like my change, right? I ask you the question, can you spare any change? Can you spare your life in any way to change it? That God would change you? Or is the request of our dying Savior on the cross too much a question to ask of you? Too much of a request to ask, can you spare some change? Can you spare a few moments? Can you spare a few chambers in your heart to allow Christ to come in to reside and to live inside of you. God wants to change our behavior and it's not going to come through a philosopher. It's not going to come through Dr. Phil or Oprah. <laughs> sure enough, coming from, coming from Oprah. But anyway, <laughs> it's not going to come from Congress. They almost defaulted on the whole budget just a few days ago. They don't have their act together. You think they're going to fix you? The entertainment industry is not going to change you either. The only job for them is just to keep you watching, not to change you. No, the only one that can change you is Jesus. And you got to get crazy like David if necessary. Don't be afraid to allow God to change you. Something I want you to understand, the people in this room, they didn't die on a cross for you. He did. So I kind of care more about what he thinks about me than anyone else does. So if I shed a few tears and I slobber a bit and maybe lose my composure, I don't really care because you didn't die on a cross for me. Why do we let people control our lives who invested and sacrificed nothing for us? Right? If I were to go in the boardroom of, let's say, Apple, I go in the boardroom and say, hey, I think you guys should bring the headphone jacket on the iPhone. Come on now. That was nice. Like, who are you? I'm just a consumer, that's all. And I want you to put the headphone jack back on the iPhone. Uh, do you own any stock? Are you on the board of directors? Do you have any investment in this company? No, I want you, just, I want you to put the headphone jack back on the iPhone. They'll just kick me out. Why? Because I have no stock in the company. I've invested nothing. You only get control and say when you have investment. You know, Jesus, he bought all of your stock. He bought out your company. So he's got the deciding votes on how things ought to go. And you should listen to his vote as opposed to listening to someone who just came off the street trying to tell you how to run your life. No, listen to Jesus who sacrificed all so that we could be free. These altars are open today. If you want your life to be changed, it's time to change your behavior.
It's time to change the way you taste to the world. It's time to change your discretion, change your advice, change your counsel, change your understanding, change your heart, change your life. And the way that we do that is we, we pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance does not just mean making a confession. It means making a decision to change. I was going left, but now I'm going right. When I get up from this altar, I'm going to be a better person than I was when I came down here. I'm going a different direction. It's not about the tears that are shed. It's about the decision that is made and the commitment that is made. So when you come down here, make a decision. I'm going to follow Christ. Father, change me. Change my behavior. Change my life. Change my heart. Change me, God. I'm in trouble. King Achish is right in front of me, and he's trying to figure me out. He's about to, he's about to execute me. I am this close from death's door. I am this close from committing suicide. I'm this close from losing the house. I'm this close from dying of cancer. I'm this close from losing my sanity. I need God to intervene. I need you to change me, Lord. Come and change me. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for those that are at the front. Praise team, go ahead and sing. God bless you today.